Who says you need a plus one for a satisfying date night? Meet Hello Date Night, the book box that contains everything you need for a perfect night of pleasure. Each box comes with an autographed copy of The Bad Girl List, a discreet feminine pleasure toy with a matching travel bag, and a sensual rose candle. Say yes to your perfect date night and head over to mariematthew.com to purchase this limited edition book box today. Hello and welcome to season one of Romance with Heart and Heat, your podcast and YouTube show for contemporary rom-com audiobook serials. My name is Marie Matthew and I'm the author of the stories you're going to hear on this channel. The title of season one is The Bad Girl List and this is a fake dating second chance rom-com set in California wine country. Find out how one life-changing vacation list puts the heart of Dominique Chen on the line when she meets sexy wine grower Trevor Moretti. The content of this channel is intended for audience members that are 18 years and older. There is some explicit content on this channel. There is light swearing and there are some explicit spicy scenes. So I don't want any surprises as people move into the story so you have been warned. Be sure to stick around at the end of each episode for author commentary. And if you have any questions or comments, you can drop them into the comments section in YouTube, or you can also send me an email at romancingmarie at gmail.com. I'll do my best to answer questions and comments in future episodes on the show. Please like and subscribe to my channel on your favorite platform, whatever that happens to be. And please help me spread the word and share the show with your friends. Now, as you're listening along, if you get to the point where the tension's too much and you just can't wait to find out what happens next, you can head over to mariematthew.com and you can purchase the complete season of The Bad Girl List over on my website. It's available in ebook format, audiobook format, and there's also autographed hardbacks and paperbacks. So you will get the entire season for free on YouTube and the podcast. But again, if you just can't wait, head over to mariematthew.com. Thanks so much for listening. And now it's time for some romance with heart and heat. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 12. Shark. Trevor. Leave it to Dad. Only he could break the electricity between me and Dominique with the force of stampeding elephants. What are you doing here, Dad? Tequila's ears are flat against her head as she barks at my father. Dom tries to soothe her with gentle pets but my dog is not having it. You disappeared from the tasting bar. I went to look for you and found a rack of shattered wine glasses and your truck missing. You didn't answer your phone so I came looking for you. Dad frowns down at Tequila whose barking has gained in pitch and fervor. Her tail is tucked between her legs, her ears are flat, and she's wedged between Dom's feet like it's the only safe place between here and Mars. I feel the moment when Dad sees the strange connection between Dom and Tequila. I can't tell what he's thinking, but his sharp gaze tells me he's taking it all in. But all he says is, Trevor will you please put that animal away? She's going to induce premature hearing loss. I huff in annoyance. I scoop up Tequila and head into the bedroom with her. It's a good excuse to cool off and calm the erection I've had for the last 10 minutes. Being so close to Dom and touching her has left me with a raging hard-on. I'm just glad she didn't notice. The last thing I want to do is fuck things up with her just when we'd managed to get them straightened out. It's alright Tequila, I murmur dropping a kiss on her head. It's just Dad. You know him. He always sounds like an elephant. Tequila hops into her crate as soon as I set her down, then lets out a high-pitched bark as I close the door. Like she has to have the last word. No Dad that big man is really scary, I mutter pretending to be Tequila. I don't care if he's never hurt me or if you like him, he's still really scary. She yips at me again. I close the bedroom door and find my dad in the process of introducing himself to Dominique. 
He has his classic sales guy smile plastered on his face, the one that invites perfect strangers to spill their guts and be his new best friend. My name is Tim Moretti. Nice to meet you. I'm Dominique Chen. There's an expression on her face I can't quite decipher, but I get the distinct impression she'd rather be anywhere right now instead of here. Dad gives her hand a vigorous shake. I hope he's not breaking all the bones in her fingers. Dad takes the concept of a firm handshake to new heights. Are you a friend of Trevor's? He asks. Yeah. Dom's eyes dart toward me. Is that right? Dad's smile widens. Alarm bells go off in my head. I've seen that smile plenty of times. Before L died, I used to go on sales trips with Dad. He showed me the ropes, teaching me all his tricks of the trade. If it's one thing I've come to recognize, it's that look he gets when he knows he's about to land a big deal. Like the time he got our wine on a by-the-glass list in a four-star Michelin restaurant in New York. Except I can't figure out what sort of deal he thinks he's landing right now. It's not like Dom owns a restaurant or works for one of our distributors. I got cut when the glass rack fell, Dom explains holding out her arms. I didn't mean to take him away from his responsibilities. Dad waves a dismissive hand, as if he hadn't been pissed off and worried 60 seconds ago. His eyes are warm as he looks Dom up and down with a pleased smile. My son mentioned you, he says. He did, she asks. What is dad talking about? Yes, dad says. Has he mentioned that our family has dinner together every Sunday? Oh shit. Dad thinks Dom is the girl I pretended to be seeing. Um, I think so. Dom shoots me a help look but dad is on a roll. Yep, he says. It's a tradition. Would you care to join us tomorrow night? It will be a little late in the evening due to passport, but I can promise you a striking sunset and delicious wine. And just like that, the shark strikes. I can't believe I didn't see this coming. Ah, Dom darts a look in my direction, her eyes desperately asking me to rescue her. I'm in town with my family. My Auntie D has a Groupon for Olive Garden. I bring them. Dad moves in for the kill. I can practically see the blood gushing from between the shark's teeth. The more, the merrier. I can promise our spread will beat the pants off Olive Garden. My wife loves having guests. I, uh. Dom's discomfort is starting to make tequila bark in the other room. She does the same thing when I'm upset, and seeing as how Dom is her new BFF, it's no wonder she sounds so distressed. When dad is on the hunt, the best way to get him off the scent is to make him think he's caught his prey. Knowing this, I don't correct his assumptions. I do the exact opposite. Dad. I slide in next to Dom and rest my arm on her shoulders. She shoots me a wide-eyed deer-in-headlights look but doesn't pull away. Stop badgering her like she's a grumpy sommelier in one of your high-end restaurant accounts. Dad huffs. I was inviting her to dinner Trev, not hustling. You were hustling. I'll ask her about Sunday dinner when you aren't standing over her like a hungry shark. You can go now. That earns me a stern frown. That was not my shark look. Striking sunsets and delicious wine. Please dad. Can you go now? In the bedroom, tequila has settled. Dom's lips are pursed and she looks like she's trying not to laugh. Good. I prefer this to how she had looked with my dad closing in on her. Before I realize what I'm doing, I tighten my arm around her shoulders. It's all a show for dad. I definitely don't notice how she fits so perfectly against me, or how good it feels to touch her. Dad is watching us with narrowed eyes. He's fighting a smug smile. The result is something that resembles a sinister joker mask. Bye dad. I wave a hand in his face. Dad always says that in sales, you have to know when to go all in, and you have to know when to fold. He senses that now is the time to fold, just as I had hoped. Take your time Trev, he says. I'll grab one of the caterers to help at the tasting bar, until you get back. To Dom he says, see you at dinner hun. He strolls out of the bungalow. Even his shoulders manage to look smug. Dom waits until he's out of sight before she extracts herself. I ignore the instinct to pull her back, reminding myself that we're just friends. Or at least, I hope we're friends. Wow. He's intense. I can understand why you need a fake date for the family dinner. Yeah. It's a relief that she understands. Sorry about that. 
I may have told my dad a few days ago that I'd just started seeing someone to get my parents off my back. They are insisting I bring my imaginary friend to dinner. Oh, understanding dawns in her dark eyes. When I said we had just met, he assumed I was that someone. I nod. My parents, I break off at a long wine from tequila. My parents are anxious for me to move on with my life. But you still love L. I still love L. I. Tequila lets out another heartbreaking whine. You better get your dog, Tom says. I scrub my hands through my hair. Yeah. Come on, we can talk in my room. As I lead her into my bedroom, I begin to collect my bargaining chips. I might spend all day with my hands in the dirt or on the back of a tractor, but there was a time when dad had groomed me for sales. His lessons are stacked up in the back of my mind like old books. Though I'm not a natural at sales the way dad is, I'd been decent at landing accounts. And if I could sell wine I can sell this idea to Dom. Because in the last 60 seconds, I've decided I want her to be my fake date after all. Just because the idea had first been hatched in a fit of drunken lust, didn't make it a bad one. I'd much rather sit next to her than next to some girl I don't even know. Dom at least is interesting and easy to talk to. And if I bring her, my parents will relax a bit, which was the whole point in trying to land a fake date in the first place. Then Dom will go back to her life in San Francisco, and I can pretend we're doing the long distance thing, and my mom won't invite over a new blind date to dinner every Sunday. I can stretch out the facade for at least six months if I play this right. I just have to find a way to get Dom to yes. Who says you need a plus one for a satisfying date night? Join Dot Wines and author Marie Matthew for your perfect Valentine's night in. For a limited time, get a bottle of Dot's rosé wine paired with a Hello Date Night book box. This Valentine's Day special comes with an autographed paperback copy of The Bad Girl List, a discreet feminine pleasure toy with a matching travel bag, a sensual rose candle, and a flirty bottle of Dot rosé wine. If you only want the wine with the book, we have that option available as well. Say yes to your perfect date night and head over to dotwinery.com to purchase this limited edition pairing today. Chapter 13. Deal. Dominique. I followed Trevor into his bedroom, still shaking off my encounter with Tim Moretti. There had been a brief second when I thought he recognized me from Presidio, but since he didn't say anything, I know I'm safe. Thank God, the last thing I want is for him to find out I was fired over the designs I presented to him. I shouldn't be surprised that he didn't recognize me. I'm dressed differently, and Sophia did most of the talking during the meeting. Trevor's bedroom smells even more strongly of him, that mingling of earth and spice. The walls are the same dark blue as the kitchen cabinets. There are dirty clothes mounded next to the hamper, like he threw them in that direction but couldn't be bothered to actually put them inside. His bed is unmade, the decorator pillows in disarray on the unused side of the bed. Maybe it should be off-putting to see his mess, but it isn't. It's like seeing an animal in its natural habitat. This is sexy, delicious, slightly messy Trevor. He's not hiding anything. I spot a picture of him and Elle on his bedside table. Plush leather chairs sit at the end of his bed facing the sliding glass door and overlooks the vineyard. Tequila's crate acts as a table between the two chairs. Have a seat. Trevor flips open the latch on the crate. Tequila hops out and yips at Trevor, her eyebrows suggesting he has just done something heinous. I know he scares you, he tells the dog, but he's not going to hurt you. Then in a higher-pitched voice he says, but dad he's really 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 scary. He sounds like a herd of elephants and he goes after things like a shark. I burst out laughing as I sit down. Did you just talk for your dog? Trevor's face is chagrined. Maybe. Can you tell I spend a lot of time alone? He flops into the other chair and slaps his leg, inviting Tequila onto his lap. She ignores him and hops over to me, leaning up against my leg and resting her head on my knee. 
Apparently both my dog and my father are obsessed with you. He levels his gaze at me. Would you and your family like to come to dinner tomorrow night? I frown at him. Trevor, I only stalled with your dad because I didn't want to mess things up for you. I wasn't fishing for an invite. I know, he says. Would you do it as a favor for me? I told you my parents are all over me to move on with my life. If they think I'm seeing someone, he trails off and shrugs his shoulders. You want me to come to dinner as your pretend date and bring my family with me? Are you crazy? That has bad idea written all over it. You agreed to it last night, he says. I agreed to come to dinner, which was before I'd known Trevor was a Moretti, but I don't mention that. I didn't agree to bring my family. What's wrong with your family coming? Annika is the only one who knows Oliver and I broke up. I can't pretend to be dating you and Oliver at the same time. My parents think we just started dating. They're not going to expect us to make out at the dining table. Yes, but my mom thinks I'm in a committed relationship with a boyfriend of five years. That means our pinkies can't even touch. So our pinkies won't touch. That's easy enough. I bet your family would like coming to dinner. It normally costs $5,000 just to rent the event center. That's without food. I'll even throw in a private tour for you guys. We could both benefit from this. I can feel my eyes bugging. That's very generous, but no. Why not, he asks. Why are you being so persistent about this? You don't even know me. I know you just got out of a long-term relationship with a guy you fell out of love with a long time ago. I know you love to draw and I know you want to make your family proud, which is why you agreed to Annika's bad girl list. A confusing fog deploys across my brain. My fingers fumble at a zipper pocket in my cargo pants. What are you doing? He asks. You're confusing me. I need to draw. I balance the sketchbook on my thigh next to Tequila's head, unzip my pencil bag and start to sketch. Think of it as a trade, Trevor says. You help me and you tell me how I can help you. You don't want a private winery tour, fine. There must be something else. How long are you in town? Ten days. I have a lot of connections. I can set up some things for you at other wineries while you're here. I drive my pencils a little too hard into the sketchbook, making grooves in the paper, but I can't bring myself to let up. Trevor is making me sweat. I should not like the idea of being his pretend girlfriend, and I definitely should not be entertaining it. So why am I thinking about it? I should just say no and ask him to take me to the next winery where my family is. That would be the smart thing to do. What about the bad girl list, he asks. My chin snaps up. What about it? Maybe I can help you with it. I stare at him, thinking of number 10. Is he offering to be my number 10, my vacation fling? My face and chest are getting hot just thinking about it but I can't come straight out and ask him, not now that I know he has a dead fiancé and is still grieving for her. I, uh, was hoping you'd forgotten about the list, I say. Kind of hard to forget about that, Dom. I feel like I'm back in the trunk of the car with Trevor, with his hands all over me and my hands all over him. It leaves me feeling turned on and more awkward than ever. Can I see the list, he asks. The crumpled post-it note is in my purse. I stashed it in there, so no one would accidentally find it at home. The aunties were known to straighten up our room whenever Annika and I were out. I dig it out and hand it over. Trevor attempts to smooth it out on his knee. Karaoke. He points triumphantly to number seven. Zeke's has karaoke every Wednesday. I can take you. And if you need to smoke weed, I can get you some. You want to take me out to sing and smoke pot? Why not? And this one, number eight. I know the perfect place to break into for skinny dipping. I did it once in high school. What do you say? This could be fun. He doesn't mention number 10. Neither do I, but I see his finger resting on it as he reads the list. A tattoo. Really? His eyebrows climb. She said I can get it someplace where no one will see it. Okay. Well I know a great tattoo shop. Without warning, he pulls up his shirt and turns so that his back is facing me. Dear Lord, can someone please get me a blindfold? 
I do not need a reminder of that perfect body and that glorious skin. The tattoo is a large M on his shoulder blade with grapevines curling around it. What do you think, he asks. I think he's so hot that I want to come to pieces in my chair. Your family wine logo, I say, then regret admitting I'm familiar with it. So familiar, in fact, that I completely redesigned it. My friend does good work. Thomas has used her too. Maybe we should get you high and then go to the tattoo shop. What do you think of that? I can't believe we're talking about this like it's a school assignment, I say. Tequila wines. I continue to draw, coloring furiously. The idea of Trevor helping me complete the bad girl list is laughable. Or it would be if he wasn't dead serious. If we do this my family can't get suspicious, I say. They love Oliver. That's why I haven't told them we broke up. Just tell your family that you and Annika met me and Thomas at a bar, and we invited you guys over. Simple. We don't have to overcomplicate things. Weren't you the guy who just accused his father of hustling, I ask. He sighs, suddenly looking tired. Am I coming on a little strong? A little, yeah. I'm sorry. It's just that I like talking to you. I'd rather talk with you at Sunday dinner than some stranger my mom drums up. And if my parents think I'm seeing someone? He trails off, staring at me. I could fall into his dark eyes and drown. If your parents think you're seeing me, they won't spring any more surprise blind dates on you at Sunday dinner, I say. And since I'm just here on vacation, you have a solid alibi of a long-distance relationship once I go back home to San Francisco. Trevor doesn't answer right away. He rubs at his eyes, then reaches across the gap to rub Tequila's head. I sense him drawing comfort from the dog. Tequila licks his hand and hops over to him and scrambles into his lap. The two of them look so adorable that I immediately flip to a new page and start drawing. It might be embarrassing if he hadn't already seen the other sketches I made of him, but by this point I figure it must practically be expected. I'm sorry if I'm coming off like a douche, Trevor says at last. I like you, Dom. I know we just met and the circumstances were a little… unconventional but I feel like we get along. I mean it's not every girl you can look in the eye after dumping a bottle of wine on her, or after smashing glass into her skin. Or after she handled your dick like a five-year-old with a new hot rod, I think. The thought makes me start to sweat again. We'll keep it super casual and our families will never expect a thing, he says. He still hasn't mentioned number 10. This is why I'm feeling so off balance. I only just met Trevor, but I already know I like him way more than I should. I would jump at the chance to have him for my vacation fling. But he's still in love with his dead fiancé, which is probably why he hasn't mentioned number 10. Okay, last sales pitch and if you still say no I'll drop it, Trevor says. Just think of this as an excuse to hang out and have fun on your vacation. And if we both benefit from it, what's the harm? I'll help you with the list and you can help me keep my family off my back. It's time for you to get out of your comfort zone, cuz. Annika's voice surfaces in my mind. This vacation is all about figuring out who you are and what you want. Trevor is certainly way outside of my comfort zone. For so many reasons. What the hell? The guy has already seen me half-naked, picked glass out of my skin, shown me his house and shared his heartbreak with me. It feels like we're already friends. Besides, having him help me with the list sounds fun. Okay, I'll do it. Wait, what? He sits up straight. You'll do it? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll be your date tomorrow night, and you'll help me with the bad girl list. I hold out my hand to make it official. Deal. When he takes my hand and shakes it, I forget to breathe. I love the way his eyes crinkle when he smiles. I love the way it feels to fall into his dark-eyed gaze. Neither of us lets go, our clasped hands hanging in the air between the chairs. The moment stretches on longer than it needs to. My pulse rate spikes, making me keenly aware of just how damp my panties have become in the last 30 seconds. It's too much. I break eye contact and withdraw my hand. What do you think? I flip up the sketchbook, feeling reckless as I show him the charcoal drawing of him in his chair with tequila on his lap. 
I feel almost as exposed as I did in the back of his brother's Tesla. Is that me and tequila? Trevor plucks the sketchbook from my hand. This is amazing, Dom. What did you do before you lost your job? I worked for a design firm in the city, I say. Not the one who redesigned your family's wine label. Nope, I know nothing about that. You're really good. Can I see the picture you did of my truck? He asks. Yes, but only if you promise not to laugh. It's one page back. The only thing laughable about my truck is the paint job. Oh. He stops as he flips the page. His face muscles spasm in a way that suggests he's suppressing laughter. Um, did you make my truck look like a cross between my grandpa and a superhero? Yeah. If my artistic weirdness was ever in question, it's not anymore. His truck is wearing a cape. The windshield resembles a superhero mask with eyes, the grill shaped in such a way to resemble Gramps. That used to be my grandpa's truck. He gave it to me for my 16th birthday. Trevor turns the sketchbook, holding the picture in front of my face. And my dog is the trusty sidekick? Tequila stands proudly on top of the truck, her three legs on display with a cape billowing out behind her. Did I mention I have a raging hangover? I say. I think you're the only person in the world besides me and Gramps who considers my truck and my dog worthy of a superhero cape. He's taking my artistic personality really well. It settles my uneasiness. If you think that's weird, flip back one more page, I say. I drew a picture of gnomes beating at the inside of my skull with pickaxes. It's how I felt when I woke up this morning. I can relate. He turns the page, his eyes taking in my maniacal gnomes scrambling around an exposed brain with gleaming weapons. His chuckle feels like warm honey sliding over my skin. I fucking love your creativity. I ignore the melting sensation happening at my core when he smiles at me. When I was younger I drew all the time, I say. Just about every day. Even in college I would draw as a way to relax. This vacation is the first time I've picked up my sketchpad in almost two years. Two years, he exclaims. Why? Because of your ex? No. I shake my head. I got sucked into my job. Worked through my lunches, stayed late at the office, even went in on the weekends sometimes. I didn't have any energy to draw by the time I finished working. I was trying to impress my boss, you know? Prove to her I had what it takes to be promoted. Is this the same boss who fired you? Yeah. I don't know why I'm telling him all this. Maybe because it feels nice to be recognized for my creativity. Maybe because he's easy for me to talk to. Don't take this the wrong way, Dom, but maybe getting fired from that place was a good thing. You're clearly an artist. Anything that takes you so far away from who you are can't be a good thing. That's what Annika says. She said that place sucked out my soul. If the work there prevented you from creating pictures like this, I'd have to agree with her. He waves the picture of Super Tequila and his truck in front of me. You said you worked for a design firm, right? What sort of design firm sucks out the souls of their designers? This conversation is getting a little too close for comfort to the Moretti wine label. It's time to change the subject. Let me see that. I take the sketchbook out of Trevor's hand and gently rip out the drawing. Here you can keep it. Super Tequila's portrait should be with her dad. Trevor takes it from me. I'll frame it. Anytime she complains about her three legs, I'll just show her this picture and remind her that in an alternate dimension, she's a superhero. Or is it a super dog? Definitely a superhero. I giggle at Trevor's obvious love affair with his dog. I think I'd better get back to my family. Can you still drive me to the next winery? Of course. It will coincide with our story for dinner tomorrow. I'll grab my keys. He pauses after he sets tequila on the ground. What do you think about going out tonight? Are you free? His question catches me off guard. I can feel those birds fluttering under my ribcage again. You want to go out tonight? We should get to know each other before dinner tomorrow, so we won't seem like total strangers. My dad might get suspicious. You saw what he's like. So you want to go out and what, play 20 questions? Sure, that sounds like a good idea. Can I bring Annika? Of course. 
Thomas will probably want to come too. Although I doubt my brother will agree to go to Zeke's two nights in a row. We'll go to another local bar, one where a younger crowd hangs out. It's called Platitude. Okay, let me check the family schedule and I'll text you a time. I slap my hand to my forehead as something occurs to me. Oh my god, Trevor. What is it? He looks at me in concern. Tequila lifts her head from his lap, eyebrows arching to the right. I get to cross number six off the list. I grab the wrinkled post-it note and hold it in front of his face. Lie to the aunties. Our dinner story is a complete lie. With a feeling of triumph, I draw a line through number six. He laughs. See, our arrangement is already working in your favor. Two down, eight to go, I reply. His eyes crinkle with amusement, and a delicious heat drips through my body. As I stare at him, I wonder if maybe, just maybe, Trevor Moretti will agree to be my number 10 before my vacation is over. He hasn't said he won't do it, and the fact he hasn't mentioned it feels like the door might be open. Knowing his situation, I don't want to push it, but if he's willing to leave the unspoken option on the table, then so am I. Hello everyone and cheers. Welcome to the author commentary portion of episode four on the podcast. I'm the author of the bad girl list, Marie Matthew. And today on the podcast, I am drinking more of Dot Rosé from my good friend, Lise Asimot, who owns Dot Wines in Healdsburg, California, where the book takes place. I showed you guys the bottle the other day. It's super cute. Just as a reminder, I am partnering with Lise and Dot Wines for a limited Valentine's Day special. So for the months of January and February, you can get a bottle of Dot Wine with an autographed copy of The Bad Girl List. My books finally came. <laughs> so I wasn't able to show them in earlier episodes, but I actually have them now and they turned out so, so nice. So yeah, you can head over to Dot Wines and you can get a bottle of her delicious rosé for Valentine's Day with an autographed copy of The Bad Girl List, or you can get it with the Hello Date Night book box, which has also an autographed copy of The Bad Girl List. And it comes with a bookmark and a scented rose candle and a discreet pleasure toy that comes in its own little pouch. And I'm I'm debating cracking out one of the, the pleasure toys here on the show to show you guys because it's fun. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this latest installment of the bad girl list. And I thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about the events that is in the book. And one of my beta readers was reading it. She's like, is the passport event, is that a real thing? And I thought, oh yeah, so maybe I should talk about that. So passport, yes, it is a real event and it is specifically put on by wineries in Dry Creek Valley. And I mentioned in previous episodes that I love the Dry Creek Valley and I chose it for the setting of the book and the Moretti Winery because I love Dry Creek Valley. I love the wines that come from there. I love Zinfandel, one of the premium grapes of the area. And so, yeah, I picked an event that's centered around Dry Creek Valley. And I, you know, I have to tell you, I think I've been to Passport. I couldn't actually remember. I've done a lot of wine events, obviously, since I live here. All the wine events are super fun. So you buy a ticket and all these wineries open the doors. A lot of them will open their cellars. A lot of them will open special reserves that you can't taste otherwise. A lot of times the winemakers are present so you can talk one-on-one -on -one with them. And most importantly, besides wine, there is food really, really, really good food. <laughs> I love food. And there's so many good restaurants and so many good catering companies in the area. 
And so the wineries will have a catering menu that complements their wine. So you get to really experience wine and food together and, and those really nice pairings that complement each other really, really well. I have to tell you, so my, my memory is a little fuzzy. I'm trying to remember if I specifically went to a passport event, but I've known lots of people that do. And they used to give out little books that looked like little passport books and you could get the stamps from the different wineries. So it was super fun. You could collect the stamps. Back in the day <laughs> when I did quite a few wine events, tickets were super cheap. They were like, I don't know, $30, $50. And now they're like a whopping $250, which is just crazy to me. Things have just gotten really expensive over the years. And Healdsburg in particular, there's been a lot of money that's moved into town and it's just like, push the pricing of everything up, up, and up. <laughs> so unfortunately, Passport's not as affordable as it used to be, but if you're planning a trip here and you can afford it, it definitely is a lot of fun. Yeah, people get dressed up in groups. Sometimes they wear matching t-shirts or sometimes it's bridal parties, family outings, all, all sorts of fun things, but it, it really, really is a good time. So I'll make sure that I link it in the show notes. So if you are interested, you can get your own ticket to Passport. Hmm. Oh, enjoying my wine. I thought next it would be fun to share a writing story with you guys um, from the creativity perspective. I will start by saying, and I've said this before, I have a couple of psychic senses that are very acute, very, very sensitive and very good at their job, <laughs> so to speak. And I speak a lot more extensively about that in the about the author episode on the channel. So if you want to hear some specifics, you can hop back and listen to that first episode. But I, I talk about how I work with different energies when I write. Sometimes they're different you know, types of ghosts, different types of spirits, but they're Besides ghosts and spirits, there's other sorts of energies that work through me for various reasons. And the stories themselves, I experience stories as, as energies, as living entities. There's something really tangible about them and there's something they, they find me and I receive them. And when I was really deep in the apocalypse, the things that I was receiving were darker qualities about the end of the world, <laughs> people getting eaten alive, <laughs> stuff like that. And now it was, it was interesting as I've made the shift into romance, the stories that are finding me are, are definitely more of a romantic caliber, but it's interesting that some of them are still kind of dark. <laughs> so just to give you an example of how I receive a story, it comes in what the psychic sense that's really strong for me is my claircognizance, which is, for those of you that don't know, it's also called a knowing. With claircognizance, I get these very large downloads. So I'll be doing something and then an energy shows up and it just starts like dumping information into me. I don't know how else to describe it. So for example, I was sitting at my computer the other day working on a spreadsheet and a story showed up and it started dumping into me. I'm like, oh, okay, there's <laughs> something's here. It's talking to me. So um, as, it's, as it's downloading and dumping stuff into me, I, I grab my notebook. I write it down really quick. That's how I experience stories. It's not necessarily stuff that I make up. I mean, obviously when the energies come to me and I accept them and I, and I work with them, they do mix with me because I have my own unique perspective and experiences that flavor the story. So if that same energy picked another author, it would have a different flavor because it would be colored by that author's experience. So it was super interesting the other night. Well, this always happens when I'm awake and I was asleep the other night 
and I had this really intense dream. It was the beginning of a story with a lot of heartache and it was like so intense that it woke me up. So I, I woke up, kind of shook it off and then I went back to sleep and it kept going, <laughs> it kept going. And I, I did actually mistake it for a dream at first. I'm like, wow, this is really weird. And I was like super alert, like it felt like a lucid dream. I could like, I could move around in it and control like what was happening. But it was like a continuation of this dream that I had before I woke up. And so the next day when I woke up, I asked my angels, I talked to my angels. I hope a lot of you talk to your angels. Anyway, so I asked them, I'm like, what, what was that that came through last night? It felt like a dream, like a lucid dream, but yet like it had a plot, like a story. They confirmed that yes, indeed it was a story and it found its way into my subconscious while I was sleeping and it wanted my attention. And <laughs> I was like, wow, that was really, really interesting. I've never had a story come through like that. So clearly in my, my dreams that I woke up and then I went back to sleep and then like it kept going, it kept playing. <laughs> Usually it happens when I'm awake or when I'm meditating. So this was like a, a totally new experience. And I wasn't even gonna talk about it because I'm not sure I'm gonna write the story yet. I do receive a lot and it's kind of like those mail order catalogs. Some of them you keep and file away and some of them you toss because they, they're not for you. And the story that came through, it was a little bit darker and I just, I've done dark. I've done dark with the apocalypse. So I, I'm definitely looking for things that are a little more lighthearted, a little more upbeat. So, so we'll see, I've kind of been talking to the story. I'm like, well, you're maybe like, I kind of like the feel of you, but it's a little too dark, especially for wine and romance. So like we have to talk. So we're, <laughs> we're in negotiations right now. There was like some pretty dark romances that came through when I first started working with the brand and I had to like 86 them out of the gate. I'm like, nope, sorry. I didn't pick this brand because I wanted to be dragged through the muck. I want to be a little sparkly over here. I want to be drinking my wine and be bubbly. Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's just really interesting working with these different energies and responding to them and seeing what they show me and what they want and how they want to be birthed into the world. And then again, how all of that mixes with me. When I first decided to make the switch, into the romance genre. I did have a lot of things that have been buzzing in and out of me for a while. Like I, I mentioned before that I had a really strong calling to make this genre switch. As I was edging closer and closer <laughs> to my yes, to, to the decision to make the leap, I could feel this story, the bad girl list, like it was, it was honing in on me. As I started to play with it, I could actually feel it like drop into my body. I was like, oh God, this feels so good. <laughs> it feels so good. As soon as I, fully committed, like it, it like it dropped in and it settled and it was like, okay, like we are doing this. It's, it's hard to describe as when these stories, when they, when they settle into my body and, and we start this partnership and we start working, it's like the most amazing feeling. I've just tried to describe it before, but it's just like glowing from the inside. It feels so right and so good. And uh, maybe that's the part of the reason why I love writing so much. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed hearing a little bit about my creative process and my spirituality. My spirituality is something that is very important for me and I, I'm in daily practice always trying to just enhance my skills and just expand my soul too and just, just grow into greater love and consciousness. So I'll probably talk about that more. If you're curious to learn a little more about my process, I do have a podcast. It's a writing podcast, actually. I call it Intuitive Writer. So I'll include that. I'll link it in the show notes. Some of the episodes are older, but there's some 
pretty concrete stuff in there about some concrete practices if you're interested in this kind of a practice yourself in your own writing. So yeah, I will include that link in the show notes. There's one last thing I just forgot to say about the energies of stories. One thing I've learned is there's definitely ascensions to them. So when I was talking to my angels about the story that came to me in the middle of the night, they were like, yeah, it, it found a way. <laughs> it found a way to get to you and get your attention. Um, so there is a certain amount of sentience to these energies and there are things that they want. It's really interesting and my writing, my techniques are really unconventional and and, and different from a lot of what you hear out there. So yeah, it's fun. I get, I get a kick out of sharing it and I, I hope you get a kick out of listening to it. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will be back next week for the next installment of Dom and Trevor's story. Until then, have a great day and I'll see you soon. Bye.